going on, world? Schmear head crack. After hours podcast, back in full effect. The light is on, it's blinking, that means we're open for business. And this time around, I bought in a legend, an icon. And I know a lot of times that word gets thrown around very loosely in the hip-hop culture, but we really mean it. Like, let's rewind back to the year 1989. If I could paint a picture for you, this is one of the most competitive times in hip-hop. Because everybody was out and flourishing at the same time. You had N.W.A. out there doing what they was doing. De La Soul was starting to get some traction. Tribe Called Quest just came out, Public Enemy was doing a thing. And then you had, like, a lot of solo acts, like Kwame, Chubb. Rock, LL Cool J, Big Daddy Kane, just naming a few. Like, this was one of the most competitive eras of hip-hop to possibly be in. And then, boom, out of nowhere, a kid from Brooklyn comes out with a style and a sound that was, like, mad unique. He went by the name of Special Ed. And one thing I can say about Special Ed's rhyme style is if you go back to any of his, like, previous projects, like, the style doesn't sound dated. Stick around to the end of the interview. I'm going to tell you some records you need to go check for once you get off this podcast. But with no further do his special ed. Yeah, yeah, what's up, Peace World? We Word. in the building. Special ed is in the house, man. Yes, sir. Yes, TV sir. One Unsung. And this is one of those ones that really solidifies that particular brand for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was yours and Lost Boys. Because, right. you know, it's one thing to do stories on people that are always mentioned or at the forefront of the culture, but to dig below the levels and find the people that were really popping and getting to it at a certain time, you're definitely in the conversation, man. Man, yeah, well, I, I put in a lot of work real early in the game, and um, I saw the potential for income, and, you know, I, I went out there after it. So I was just doing what I had to do to, you know, make a better life for myself. Now, you were responsible for a lot of firsts, not only from a musical standpoint, but also hip-hop urban legends. Like, you know, like anybody who, like, picked up the first album, Youngest in Charge, there was always that big debate. Yo, the special ed only have one hand? Right. <laughs> Yeah, and that was everywhere, man. I mean, West Coast, down in Texas, everywhere I went, I heard that rumor. And it all originated from the fact that um, when I did the photo shoot for the album cover and the video for I Got It Made, it was like below zero practically. So, you know, we were out there in the cold and I had to keep my hands warm. So I had them in my pocket. Ah. So people took that and the name and put two and two together. And came up with that foolishness. <laughs> Yo, like, now a rapper will come out and just run with that. Like, right. you know, like, you put a hook there and just, and just <laughs> right. make it work. So one day you see him doing right. something double-handedly. <laughs> but it was really your skills that set you apart from all your competitors and anybody that was near you. Yeah, well, then at that time, man, to even be respected as an artist or as a rapper, you had to have skills. You couldn't just A over the hook and you know, get away with it. You had to say something. You had to have a message, a meaning, or some sense of humor or something. It had to be lyrical content, not just, you know, something catchy, something that you can't really understand, but you like, hey, I'm going to run with it. Got you. <laughs> yes. Now, maybe you can help settle this uh, this long-time rumor in my head. See, when you was popping, I was living in the Bronx. So I used to live in Concourse Village right. at the time. Right. Were you seeing a girl that lived in Concourse Village, like around 89, 90? Yeah, Co-op City. Oh, probably, yeah, Concourse Village, too. Yeah, probably a couple of other neighborhoods in between, too. I used to always... Yo, I just saw Special Ed. I was like, man, you see Special Ed. Yeah, nah, you see me all over the BX. My grandmother, rest in peace, used to live up there, too. So I used to always come up there, go see my grandmother, and hang out a bit. But, you know, it was driving all over New York was nothing back then, you know? And my man Hassan wasn't lying. All these years, I thought he was lying because I would always heard you was in Concourse Village, but I never saw you myself. So it was just like, man, you didn't see no special ed. Because you used to like to make stuff up. 
Yeah, nah, I used to be out, man, out and about. I'm a I'm a people person, you know what I'm saying? So I like people, you know what I'm saying? I love it, man. So getting signed back then is different than getting on and popping oh, yeah. than it is right now. Way different. How did your break come about? And you were crazy young, too, when it happened. Yeah, well, my break came about because Howie T lived in the neighborhood, and I knew that he had already produced hit records that were out for, like, UTFO, the Real Roxanne, Chub Rock, Whistle. So he had groups that had records on the radio. So I said, okay, well, this is going to be my best bet because I didn't even have any beats, tracks, or means of recording. I was a high school kid, so he was the one with the studio and equipment and everything else. So um, I went over there to him. He lived across the street from my cousin Jennifer. Shout her out. She out here in the A. And... um. You know, the rest is history. He threw on Impeach the President. I rapped for about 10 minutes on him. And then they was like, man, okay. It's a done deal. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Like, and you still hear flashes of things like that happening here and there, like in the culture. Like, I think Big Sean ran into Kanye West on the elevator in rhyme form. And that's how, like, Big Sean ended up with uh with Kanye. Yeah, sometimes it's organic. You have to see people to get it. You know, people will tell you all day, but until you actually hear or see them, you don't really get the connection, like get the full effect of what they're saying. Word. Now, for anybody who ever like picked apart the words and the way you put words together, you were definitely a rapper's rapper. And coming out around the time that you did, everybody that was in the forefront just about was nice. Like you're out here maneuvering around the same time where Rakim is moving, Kane's moving, Kwame is moving, who was a double threat himself as a producer slash MC. A lot of people didn't know he produced that whole those you know those first records he did. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I just found out recently as we start touring together with the alumni, and which you're a part of with it's you, Chub Rock, Moni Love, Dana Dane, and me. Right, five of us. And Greg Nice, too. Shout out to Greg. He's down now, too? Yeah, he, Greg Nice always been down. He comes in, you know, comes in and out, depending on dates, where we at, what it is, you know what I'm saying? Shout outs to him and Smooth B, you know, hip-hop. We all a family, you know what I mean? So at the end of the day, where one of us make can't come through, the, somebody will come in and, you know what I'm saying? Fill in. Yeah, pick up, lift us up. Now, who do you feel like your biggest competition was back then? Um, back then it wasn't really, I didn't feel no competition, me personally, man, cause I was ready to get at anybody. But at the end of the day, um, I think that the, the more successful artists at that time would have been like, uh, Rakim, Kane, Queen Latifah, um, MC Light, you know, during that, that era and Kwame and Kwame, um, which I always thought was from Philly, but he's from Queens. Yeah, I didn't know Kwame was from Queens. Yeah, that's my guy. I thought he was from Philly. He never gave me a New York vibe. I would have put him in Jersey in my head. <laughs> right. And I also see Philly as well. But yeah, right. I never pictured him as a Queens guy. Yeah, yeah. He didn't guy. rap no Burrow on his album. That's probably why I was confused. I get it. <laughs> now, are you from Brooklyn? Yeah, yeah. I'm from Brooklyn, from Church Ave and 31st Street. Graduate of Erasmus Hall. Yeah, well... Yeah, I went to Erasmus Hall for a few years. Got you. And then from Erasmus Hall, I went over to Tilden, Samuel J. Tilden High School for my last year of high school. So when you're in high school, is the record out? Yeah. The record, when I was in Erasmus, I was doing the recording. Okay. And then when I changed schools, 
that's when the record actually came out and I actually shot a video and in how, front of the school. How is it going back to school, being the guy who just shot a video in front of a school, right. has a record deal, right. and I'm sure like the, you know, the dress code changed dramatically off the, you know, the label advance if they were still doing those back then. Oh, well, nah, I was, I was, I was always on point. You know, when I was in junior high school, I came through with all the things that the kids didn't have. I had older brothers that set an example. Got you. So, you know, I would have the all, all the latest and greatest because I tried to be innovative. You know, I had the Bill Blast, you know what I'm saying, the Calvin Klein's and Pierre Cardin and all that. Now, was you know that a Bill Blast jumpsuit on the cover of the uh, no. I Got It Made 12-inch? Were you sitting yeah. on the car? Nah, no jumpsuits. I never liked jumpsuits. So there was some dope outfit that you was rocking. Sitting on the car. You was sitting on the car in a couple. Let me see if I can pull it up. Uh, let's see. I bought all my own clothes though. Like I, I shopped myself. I bought all my own clothes. I wore all my own clothes until the second album. They tried to start styling me. Were you um, going to see uh, uh, Dapper Dan? Nah, we was on some street hood stuff. Dapper Dan was expensive. <laughs> All right, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to make the picture bigger, but you can zoom around. Yo, what's the brand of that, man? I always wanted that. Oh, I'll... man, that's Adidas. Okay, okay. That's all Adidas. Adidas turtleneck, Adidas sweatshirt, sweatpants, socks, sneakers. Now, yeah. was was that vicariously through the Run DMC Connect? Like, did profile nah, you? I, I was all my clothes. This is how I dressed when Got I was you. a kid. I was probably 16 right there. You know, everything matching. If you wore polo, you wore polo all down. You wore Adidas, Adidas down. Nike, Nike down. Everything you had to wear all down. Like in my first album cover, that was all Tommy Hilfiger down. That's when he just came out. And he had some exclusive pieces. I had the jacket, the shirt, the corduroys, everything. Tommy down. So it was how we dressed. It was our dress code. It was a very Brooklyn thing to yeah. do. Because like I, me and Planet Asia got into a really spirited conversation one night. It was like... You could tell people from the Bronx. They, <laughs> because he was always saying people from the Bronx can't dress. And I'm like, I'm from the Bronx. And I, I felt like I was dressed very nice nah, that you night. Dress, you dress nice. I think when they more men, it's kind of like people from the Bronx might button it all the way to the top. Damn it. That's what I'm doing right you know what I'm now. <laughs> <laughs> it's because the collar yeah. was doing its own thing. Like, right. like I had to button it to tame you the collar. the collar. I got you. <laughs> but it's just little things like that, man. It ain't nothing wrong with the Bronx. The Brooklyn man. guys always had style, though. Like, yeah. we look at y'all for your innovation in fashion. Well, that's a, that's what it is. And, you know, Brooklyn guys had a history of going to get the very best, you know, and bring it home. <laughs> that's what's up. Now, um, you know, amongst your many firsts, uh, it was the first time that I picked up a 12-inch and, and grabbed the record that wasn't on the album. You had a song called One in a Million. Oh, yeah. And the bars were disgusting. Disgusting. Right. Just like this, y'all. Like that, y'all. Yeah. Got nice hair, still wear a hat, y'all. Right. Yes, especially at the same one from before I got it made, still <laughs> does. Yo, the yeah. wordplay. You in- know what? That was like an extra joint on the album. And let me just say this, first of all. Um, I personally, me and Howie T created the remix in the sense that others out here claim they did. No, son, you did not. Howie T had a remix for every song, every single that we put out. And I know other people wasn't even putting out records at that time. I remember uh, the Think About It remix had the Jeopardy bell on it. I got it it made, yeah. I got it made, had a remix. Think About It had a remix. The Mission had a remix. Come On, Let's Move It had a remix. The Everything we put out had a remix. And Howie T originated that. 
like making sure that everything had a remix. And like you talk about always doing things big. Right. When you did the video for the Magnificent. You had Malcolm Jamal Warner in the video. Yeah, he directed the, he directed the video. He directed that one and come on, let's move it. Yo, the equivalent of having Malcolm Jamal Warner in a video back then would be the equivalent of having like Donald Glover direct and be in your video like right now. Like that was a big right. move. It was. He was getting into video production at the time and he wanted to try his hand at some hip hop videos. So I was like, yeah, come on, let's go. Wow. Theo, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Man, I wish he would have like stayed with the directing. Like I know he does like music and like yeah. he does like poetry or well, something. Well, you got to follow your passion and what makes you happy. I do know that he did do a lot of directing of episodes of the Cosby show. So he did get into the directing, but I think hip hop videos, especially back then, the budgets were super low. So it, it had to be something that he really wanted to do because it wasn't the money. Right. You know, it was probably the, you know, prestige of it. Yeah, I did this video, that video, you know, pretty much that's that's what it was. I don't think it was the money at all because back then our budgets was nothing. So how much does it cost to do a video like Think About It? When you have a, a hovercraft, to this day, I haven't seen nobody shoot a video on a hover with a hovercraft yeah. and like you know, like you know, agents and stuff chasing them. Yeah, because then they would be imitating me blatantly. That's all, and everybody would let them know they don't want to be ridiculed. But when, back then, yeah. what is what is something like that cost the label? Okay, I tell you, the the think about it video was approximately thirty five grand. Wow, which was nothing. Nah, that's it because. It was um, Chica Bruce was the director, and she knew how to make something out of nothing. You know, something like Think About It in the 90s, in the late 90s, would have costed probably like a couple hundred thousand. Yeah. Easily to make, 150, 200 grand, easy to make a video like that if you were using one of the, you know, prominent music directors at the time. Yeah, and like it was so cutting edge, man. It was like, yo, where can I get uh, of a craft? Or right. like, the, your videos were an event. I would always like, you know, look forward to checking out Video Music Box with Ralph Daniels or or Rap City with Chris right. Tucker when he was still in May and stuff like that. Because like you knew you would see these videos. Like it was be the only places where I would see like Never Go Back right. and videos like that. And then even when you dropped the the Mission video, which was another cutting edge piece of work. Did you come up with all the ideas and treatments? No, actually, uh, my guy, man, I, I ain't even, man, that's wrong. But my guy did that video. Marcus, I think his name is Marcus. And um, it was it was a good time. He came up with the whole thing. And what we had to do was kind of make it a little more comical so that it could be played. Because the story was a little, you know, mild violence, you know, rated T for teen, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah, the water gun. <laughs> right. So we had to water it down and, and make it more acceptable to the MTV, so to speak. So that's why we used the little water gun with the milk in it and the little fake kung fu fighting and stuff like that. Even though that was a part of the story, we had to make it more humorous than serious. Well played, though. Like, yeah, it definitely it. took the took the stick. Because yeah, I always put, wonder, like, why did why they shoot a killing? You know, well, that's why they put the, the liar contest in the beginning, because it was like a far-fetched story, you know what I mean, so to speak. That video is actually a metaphor for everything that's happening in rap right now. Like, everybody's lying. Like, everybody's lying. Like, people ain't even doing the drugs they're saying they're doing, you know? <laughs> everybody's lying. It's don't look like it. <laughs> yeah, I've been to a but couple yeah. festivals where it's like, hey, man, you guys alive? Right. <laughs> 
Yeah, we got to stop that. We got to stop perpetuating, um, you know, the genocide of our people, killing ourselves with drugs and abuse and alcohol and, you know, all of the loose behavior. I mean, we're losing a lot of respect in, in our lives as well in this whole struggle, man. It's, it's sad to see. And um, we, we are not doing anything about it off stage. So that's what I would like to see more artists participating off stage to prevent the destruction of our people. I hear that. Now, out of your catalog, I mean, there's like, you know, three major release albums, one independent joint. What is the weirdest song request that people come up to you and want you to do at the shows or, pe- or the song that people run up with you? Yo, you know what my favorite song is? Later for the singles. I like this. Right. Well, I think probably what bugged me out the most would have been like, um, actually, somebody asked me for that one in a million song and somebody also asked me to do See It Ya, which was like a reggae Song. I yeah. put a little reggae song on every album because of my Jamaican uh, background. But on that and um, some some weird song. Oh, Fly MC. Like, Title that a whole is the yeah, Fly, Fly MC. Yeah. Well, and somebody asked me to perform that, and I'm like, well, how do you even know that song? You know? I mean, tell you, like back then we used to have to digest the entire project right, for what it was. It was a cassette. Yeah, too. it was, it it was, was harder to skip ahead <laughs> yeah. on the cassette. So and it got as well listen to it. Because even do it, y'all. It grew on. Oh, see it, right. It grew on it grew, me because right. at first ears weren't ready for like reggae. Right. At that time, so like I just couldn't process it. But then later on in life, okay, I have to respond. Something, yeah. Something. Somebody asked me about that song just the other day. That's why I'm like, damn. Do you do hoedown live? Nah, I don't do hoedown live. I did. Earlier on out, but Hold Down was not a popular uh, request. What about uh, where's Kazan? Kazan is in New York, man, and um, that her and how we have a, a beautiful daughter, Nastasha, and she's as old as my career because <laughs> she was uh, pregnant when I was recording. Did he meet her because of you? No, 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 no. They were already together when I came into the picture. Got you. And when I was recording my album. She was pregnant at that time. So, you know, she's the same age as my my record. Uh, Revelations has yeah. some joints on there. Yeah. It, I, and I feel like it was a largely overlooked piece of work yeah. in, your, in your catalog. What happens is that when you want a label like Profile, if they don't, if you, when you want an independent label, if they don't market and promote your record properly, then it's likely that people will not hear it as much as they hear other people's records because mm-hmm. they're getting the promotion. So I was at, Revelations was at a time when it was the end of my contract and the label simply didn't want to spend any money to promote Got you. the record. They really didn't even care anymore at that point. It was about fulfillment. Yo, from a lyrical standpoint, this, you made style adjustments on that project mm-hmm. that were like cutting edge because like around then it's like what, 94, 95? 95, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, so... People were looking for stylistic new things like Dos Effects mm-hmm. just got over their run and people in like coming, coming, coming through your window, Brooklyn. Like right. no one was putting, stringing the words together the way you were on that, you know, on that project. Well, I, I, since I was younger, I always felt like the need to be innovative, to do something differently, you know, to be better than the next person. And um, that album, I just played around with a lot of stuff. You know, I had the opportunity. I had my own studio, Dollar Cab Lab in Brooklyn on Utica Avenue. 
And I just was there all the time recording, you know, day in, day out. We recorded with a lot of other artists too, but, you know, I played around. I played around with styles, different things. I rapped with a lot of different people, so I was able to step outside my normal, you know, structures. It came together fun, and they perfectly set up the Crooklyn Dodgers single, right. which people, like, fell in love with. Everybody was like, yo, they're going to do a super group? What's going to happen? Yeah, we wanted to do that, actually. You know, we were all sitting around kind of waiting, like, okay, what's up? Let's get it. But um, at the end of the day, that was the only modern song on the soundtrack. And um, I don't think that MCA at that time wanted to put up the budget for us to get in the studio and record an album. But at the meantime, we all recorded with each other anyway, like Boot Camp, Click, Buckshot, all of them like literally lived in my studio in the Dollar Cab Lab. So we did a lot of recording with them, for them. And um, we could have done a lot more together it's just there was no you know they didn't make a budget for it and say yo let's put this album out now do you ever feel like like you know some people are like ah oh, it's too late no one wants to hear that now but do you feel like that you know that there's still a market for people that would still want to hear that that you know you three MCs getting it in I think so I just think that they waited so long to do it now you know that generation that knows about it is like you know the older generation now. How do you reach the, the older fans? You know, because like a lot of times people discover music from social media, mm -hmm. things like that. You know, people with 30 plus, 40 plus, they don't have the time to spend all day on social media to find out what's popping or maybe mm -hmm. they're not on blogs because they got kids, jobs, lives, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. How do you find your old fans and how do you find new fans in 2018? Well, I find that a lot of, I, I'm on the road a lot. So I do shows, so I'm always in touch with people. I do a lot of festivals, um, summer shows in the parks. And, you know, I, I, surprisingly enough, I do a lot of birthday parties too, like private birthdays for people like anyway from 35 and up, 40, even up to 50. I did a 50th. Nice. And yeah, so it's kind of like I do a lot of those, and that keeps me like right in the people's face. Um it's just being out there and being on the road. The younger folks, they get to see me in uh, like festivals, summertime festivals in different cities and parks because they mix acts. They mix older acts with newer acts. So you never know who you're going to see. Well, you'll know because they advertise, but you'll get, you know, special ed and then you'll get some new cats. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, on the same ticket. So you'll have a crowd with, young people and old people, parents may bring their children. And that's how they kind of share in that day. Makes sense. So I've done, you know, we do that all the time. And then a lot of parents do educate their children on old school hip hop. And if they don't, a lot of times the children do their own research because everything is in your hand nowadays. Like my son came home the other day and started playing Chub Rock for me. Like, do you know this song? I look at him like he was crazy. Like Really? Yeah, I had to call Chubb. Like, Chubb, my son in here playing your song like it's new. Which joint was it? <laughs> Treat him right. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Man. So, your artist who, like, is still out there. Like, you know, we just missed each other in Charlotte at the Rock Him show. I heard you got on stage and got busy. Yeah. Um, how does one stay afloat once, you know, the big deals go away? And, you know, you're waiting for the next situation. 
Well, you have to always stay on the road. You you always have to. Well, I'm a I'm an entrepreneur in in the sense of the word. Period. So I, I'm into different things. I don't just wait to do a show. I don't just wait to rap to make money. So you know, I've always been that way. Um, I, I bought my first two properties at the age of 18 simultaneously. So, so I'm on that vibe. Like I'm on. I like to make money without having to talk to people. Passive like, income. Yeah, I like to sign papers and and, and get my my bank deposits. Gotcha. So are, you know, are you I, heavy heavy in real estate? Well, I was I was pretty decent. I was in New York, L.A., and Florida and, until the market crashed. Got you. And then I ended up moving to Charlotte, North Carolina, which is where I live now. Shout outs to Charlotte. <laughs> you know what I mean? How's the culture shock going from New York City to being in Charlotte? Well, I didn't go straight there. So I went from New York, and then I lived in L.A. for three years. And then from L.A., I I expanded and got another place in South Florida. And I was out there for three years. And then when the market crashed, I gave all that up. And then I moved to Charlotte and kind of started over. So I've been in Charlotte now about maybe nine Going on 10 years. Got you. And the cool thing, Charlotte's a hub. You can kind of get anywhere you need to get. Oh, yeah, for Hop, sure. skipping a jump. Shout outs to my whole American Airlines team. <laughs> Hold me down for... You got a lot of plug, right? For years. <laughs> All right, man. So being famous in New York in the 90s. Yeah. Was it tough? Was it hard to move around? Because, like, you know, like, crime was incredible during the, the Koch and Dinkins era. Crime was incredible before that, too. And I lived in a place that thrived in crime. And, um, you know, the same as it was is the same as it was for me. I didn't really look at it any different. I'm adventurous. And, you know, you might not want to play around too much. Have you ever got stuck up? Negative. That's what's up. Negative. I was respected for who I was in my community. And I think people can see real and they can see fake. And besides that, I never wore no bunch of jewelry anyway. Kept you know it light, I mean? it seems. Yeah. Well, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in something out the ground is worth more than me. No, I be trying to tell people that all the time. People put all this energy and in stuff in the diamonds. And it's like, do you know who sets the value of the diamonds? The beers. Exactly. You could make diamonds in a laboratory that are exact like the diamonds in the ground. And you don't know that. But now you do because I told you. Now, let's just say if you were a time traveler from 2027, right? Mm -hmm. And you can go back to any period in hip-hop and come out brand new. Would you rather be out now with all the things that are going on, social media, all that good stuff? Or would you rather come out when you came out and enjoy all the things you enjoyed? Um, I I I would like to come out when I came out at my time. I don't own any tight pants. I can't. I can't do it today. I can't come out now like I'm brand new because then I have to appear like they appear, and I can't do that. I don't wear women's clothing. I wear men's clothing. And I have nothing against who people choose to be, but if you're going to represent a culture, don't change what it is or, you know, try to make it into something totally opposite of what it was set out to be. But if you came out now and I'm just hearing you for the first time, I put you in that conversation with like Cole and Kendrick mm-hmm. because you had something to say. You're telling stories. You're having fun. And even like, for lack of a better, you know, Lil Uzi Vert, 
like he's having fun with the music. You had fun. And I think, you know, there's a weird fine line in which hip hop sometimes cross. Like sometimes people don't want to see people like, you know, sometimes, you know, people over a certain age, like, oh, these young punks, so they rap about their parties and their drugs. But in the 90s, they was rapping about parties and drugs, too, right. and just outlandish the, things. The drugs have changed, though. That's the that's the issue right now. You dealing with um, drugs that kill people mm. and drugs that string people out for the, for the long term. Um, these opioids and these benzos and these these drugs that they're rapping about that they don't own any part of. You know, you you advertising pharmaceuticals and you have no stock in it. Yeah. So that's to me is counterproductive in itself. That's free advertising. Like you know, why are you free advertising for someone else's um, death medicine? You know what I'm saying? I mean, and you still look pretty youthful. I imagine you probably never had, you've never battled with anything like that, have you? Oh, hell no. Nah. You we know, don't, it, we it, don't do drugs. We used to have a commercial that with the pills is serious. You remember that one? The, don't don't this, take this, this serious. serious. This, yeah. yeah. Nah, we don't mess with pills. That's, that's, I don't even like Tylenol. <laughs> no, seriously. I'll, I'll go to sleep or drink some water before I take something for a headache unless it's really bad. Got you. You know what I'm saying? I don't believe in uh, pharmaceuticals at all. There's a lot of OGs who miss the message, though, too. You know, because, like, sometimes, like, I run into some of these pioneers and stuff, and it's like, damn, man. Like, you know, like, some of the guys that started it are really out there bad, you know? And, you know, you feel sorry for them because, you know, you you see everybody with Superman eyes, you know, like, when you're a kid. And you're like, oh, man, that's blah, blah, blah. His life must be perfect. And then when you run into him, it's like, oh, man, like, he going through it just like my uncle was, or he going through it just like somebody I knew was. It's just crazy sometimes to peel back those layers and see the, you know, see the human element, you know, behind it sometimes. Yeah, well, that's the whole point is is that we're all human, all artists, all actors, sports entertainers. They're all human. So at the end of the day, we have to remember that first before we, you know, look up to someone. We have to look at them. Well spoken, man. Well, yo, TV One Unsung is going down this May Sunday. 27th, this Sunday. If uh, you're seeing this after the fact, just Google it online. Go to TV1.com and all that good stuff. He is special, Ed. And you're a man of special abilities, man. If I threw a random beat on and gave you some headphones, do you, do you have a 16 that you could bless the people with? I would maybe 10, 20 years ago. But now I'm into a whole different mentality. I'm out here to change things. I hear you. You know what I'm saying? We could rhyme. We could rhyme on the corner. We could rhyme in the booth. We could make records. We could do all of that. But how are we going to better ourselves and our people? That's what I'm on. That's the movement right there. Yeah, I'm out here to talk to some of these kids. I go to schools. I do a lot of work in the nonprofit sector. I'm more philanthropic in my you know, mature in my in my years. <laughs> I could dig it. I could dig it. Real quick before you go, uh, being that there was like not a lot of people walking around with camera phones back then, were you ever in or privy to any battles between artists that we might know that people may not know about? Um, I think really once I started making records, the whole battle thing kind of was like yesterday. You know what I'm saying? Because we done been there, did that. For real, I've walked up on hostile, real-life situations in the street and battled that way. So all this, you know, hip-hop, hee-hee-ha-ha battling is foolishness to me. Got you. You know what I'm saying? I battle on the street where it's real, where your safety depends on it. 
That's the real battle right, right. there. So this is all, this is entertainment. You know what I'm <laughs> I hear you, man. Wise words from a wise man. He is special ed. You are on social media. And if yes, people want to follow you, they go where? Uh, the Twitter is at special ed. The Instagram, Snap, everything else is at special ed music. There it is, man. One time, y'all. Special ed. Ah, man, it would have been so nice to get that freestyle. But, yo, if you didn't get a chance to check out his TV One Unsung, be sure you try to on-demand that and see if you can find it online somewhere. Pretty eye-opening stuff. And as it relates to his music, definitely you should start with his first album, Youngest in Charge, then check out his second album, Legal. And then he dropped the third album where there was a lead single off of it called Never Go Back. That is, like, one of my favorite special ed joints of all time. And if you're feeling super froggy, check out his verse on the Crooklyn Dodgers project. It was him... Buckshot and Master Ace And them cats was going for broke on that record right there So, little hip-hop history for you Hope you enjoy Head crack after hours Big up to the legend special ed We'll see you on the next lap